0: Chapter 21, The Early Industrial Revolution. This is a period from 1760 till 1851. So the Industrial Revolution was the transformation of the economy, the environment, and living conditions, occurring first in England in the 18th century. It resulted from the use of, of steam engines, the mechanization of manufacturing in factories, and innovations in transportation and communication. It was a very profound transformation in human life so like i said it occurred first in britain and then it spread to other western european nations and to america Uh, there were massive increases in productivity and production and an increased exploitation of natural resources as was never seen before in the world industrialization did many things including that it widened the gap between the rich and the poor um many children began working very long and dangerous hours and also um the middle class grows because of this very very quickly um effects of the industrial revolution were felt very unevenly throughout the world and this kind of sets the foundation or it builds like the origin for the dichotomy between powerful um and developing countries um, one of the earliest cities in England that became industrialized was Manchester. Um, it's considered the first industrial city, and it was also extremely polluted, like the people there couldn't even drink the water from the river because it was so dirty. <clears throat> okay, so first we'll talk about the causes of the Industrial Revolution. The first cause is population growth which means that there is an increasing demand for goods and also for lower labor costs. Simultaneously, uh, Europe is becoming more urban, so people move to cities in hopes of higher earnings and better lives. Um, but why was there a population growth? Well, there was a more widespread resistance to disease, and also there was a surplus of reliable food and food sources, because now they have more high-energy food coming from America, and also a lot of food is being grown in America, so it's fueling Europe. (coughs) Um, now, uh... Europeans are having, are, are married, getting married earlier and are also having more children. And this is partially because of the industrialization, because they need more, child, more children to do labor. Um, people are migrating a lot during this time period, um, People, especially from rural to urban settings. But also there is a great migration coming of people from Ireland moving to England and also Europeans moving to America. So the U.S. population is really growing at this time. Another cause of the Industrial Revolution is the Agricultural Revolution. This was the transformation of farming in the 18th century that resulted from the spread of new crops, improvements in cultivation techniques and livestock breeding, and the consolidation of small holdings into large farms from which tenants and sharecroppers were forcibly expelled. Um, This last bit is known as the Enclosure Movement. This was when big landowners really got in control of a lot of land and they started to experiment with making different kinds of improvements for how to best get the most value from their land. Um, This made the rural poor even poorer and so many of these people moved to cities uh, trying to find work. Trade and inventiveness is another reason why the industrial revolution got going. Uh, the innovations of the industrial age came about in part as manufacturers manufacturers sought to meet increased dem- domestic and foreign demands for textiles and other products through improved efficiency and productivity. Uh, proto-industrialization was when the rural workers were more often being exp- or employed in the textile process uh, rather than urban artisans. So this was kind of like the early part of industrialization. By the 1700s, Europe, Europe, Europe's population is growing extremely fast and there's also a dram- dramatic expansion of European commerce with markets in the Americas and also Asia and Africa. Uh, European governments really played a key role in economic expansion because they were making new roads and they also maintained them, Um. W- but this maintenance was often kind of inadequate or lacking. But they they recruited skilled artisans from other nations, and so this kind of encouraged encouraged this new uh, productive age to come about. The general knowledge and interest about about technologies and scientific discoveries was also increasing. This was a time when innovators and scientists were seen as celebrities. Okay, so first we'll talk about Britain and colonial, or I mean, I'm sorry, Britain and continental Europe. So, Britain. In the 1600s, they had new machines, but the same energy sources. But by the 1600s, there's a dramatic change because the steam engine is being applied to industrial machinery. Uh, Belgium was Britain's imitator, and they are the most industrialized economy by 1840. Um, Germany. After 1850, it's a major producer of coal, iron, and steel. The U.S. is another major industrial power by 1860, so coming in a little bit later. Uh, Britain is obviously the number one. It's the top for many manufactured goods. Its commercial culture is very modern. They have really strong banks, uh, joint stock companies, a really uh, flourishing stock market, and also commercial insurance being offered. So it's encouraging a lot of people to invest and to take risks in business. Um... As for British society, it was extremely fluid at this time. Uh, the aristocracy was, be- was less powerful, and the social classes were not too separated. Uh, this same trend that was happening in Britain was also seen in the Netherlands. Uh, British political power was not as centralized or intrusive as France and Spain. So this kind of meant that the citizens could, um, could take part in this big movement. So society became less hierarchical and more fluid as commoners grew, wealth, grew wealthier in trade and manufacturing. So good water transportation was really crucial for, Briti- for British success in the Industrial Revolution. They had a long coastline, many navigable rivers, and also a network of canals, and so this supports the movement of all the goods that was necessary. Um, there was also a growing trade between Britain's re- different regions, uh, so their abundant supply of coal and iron is really getting around to the rest of the country. All right. As for the other European nations, the economies of continental Europe were hampered by high transportation costs, uh, misguided government regulations, and rigid social structures. So they did not they were not um as lucky as the British. So the inter- the interruption of trade by wars also slowed the diffusion of new technology even though it did create opportunities even though it did create like opportunities for manufacturing and weapons and uniforms and stuff like that. After the Napoleonic Wars, the European governments sponsor efforts to initiate or steal British industrial secrets. So the rest of the European nations are realizing that Britain is really far ahead. So they send spies and stuff to go into the factories and see the type of machines that they're using. Um, First, okay, so as a result of this, first Belgium, then Germany and France enjoy industrial booms based on iron, cotton, steam engines, and railroads. Okay, so the technological revolution. Um, This is kind of like a subsection of the Industrial Revolution. There were five innovations that spurred industrialization. The first was mass production through the division of labor. The second is new machines and mechanization. The third, an increase in the manufacture of iron. The The fourth is the steam engine. The fifth is the electric telegraph. Um... And you should note that one th- items one through three in this list, China had already achieved in the Song Dynasty, which lasted from 960 to 1279. So in a way, they were kind of ahead because they've already had some of these things for many uh, centuries. Mass production can be said to have begun with pottery. So mass production, for those of you who don't know, is the manufacture of many identical parts by the division of labor into many small repetitive tasks. Um, This method was introduced into pottery by Josiah Wedgwood. He was an English industrialist whose pottery works uh, first produced fine quality pottery by industrial methods. Um... So why did Josiah Wedgwood come up with this brilliant idea? Well, the demand for porcelain was increasing, as was the Europeans' taste for tea, cocoa, and coffee. So he used the division of labor, uh, which is a manufacturing technique that breaks down a craft into many simple and repetitive tasks that can be performed by unskilled workers. It greatly increased the productivity of labor and also lowered the cost of manufactured goods um so josiah Wedgwood he created like Wedgwood pottery like huge um factories where the process of making um different like pots and plates and stuff it was done very fast and it was mass produced so the product became a lot cheaper also gave work to a lot of many people so the different steps to it uh well there was unloading the clay mixing it pressing it into flat pieces, dipping it into glaze, putting handles on it, packing them into kilns, and transporting everything from different stations from place to place. Um, there was strict discipline um, discipline among Wedgwood's workers, and he made uniform molds for plates and bowls. And he also made use of the steam engine in his machinery once that became more um, accessible. Okay, on to mechanization in the cotton industry. So, mechanization is the application of machinery to manufacturing and other activities. Spinning cotton was one of the first processes to be mechanized, and also along with the weaving of, of cloth. So, what was the cotton cloth industry like previously? Well, cotton cloth had been imported from China, India, and the Middle East but in the nine in nineteen sixty a series of innovations revolutionized the spinning of cotton thread in nineteen sixty four The Jenny was invented this uh was a device that mechanically drew out and twisted cotton fiber in nineteen 19- 69 uh, richard arkwright was an english inventor and entrepreneur who became the wealthiest and most successful textile manufacturer of the early industrial revolution he invented the water frame this could spin many strong cotton threads at once um in 1785 samuel crompton made the mule um, this is another device that produced strong, thin thread, which was the type that was used in making muslin. And it, this machine, the mule, combined the best features of the Jenny and the water frame. Um, and the water frame was called this because it needed um, a source to power it, such as a water wheel. So, mod- mechanization's two advantages are that there is increased productivity for the manufacturer and lower prices for the consumer. So, you could say it's a win-win. Okay, the iron industry. Um, Abraham Darby's discovery of coke, which was like a type of hybrid coal, to be used instead of charcoal was really important in the iron iron industry. Um, the Crystal Palace is an important term. This is a building in Hyde Park, London, which was built for the Great Exhibition of 1851. It's made completely of iron and glass, and it looks like a gigantic greenhouse. It's like a symbol for the industrial age. Um, also know about interchangeable parts. It's very important in the um, manufacture of like many different uh, fine goods. It's like it's also known as the American system of manufacture because Eli Whitney was really crucial in uh, beginning this because he made inter- interchangeable parts in his in for firearms. So instead of each part being made individually or each part being unique, he made like um, he made many parts be identical so that they. C- Uh, each piece or each weapon could be assembled in the exact same way. That way, if something broke, it could just be replaced. Also, Eli Terry was another important person, because he essentially did the same thing with clocks. On to the steam engine. From 1702 to 1712, Thomas Newcomen first develops the practical steam engine. Uh, James Watt makes it much more usable because he made it a practical source of power for industry and transportation. The steam engine uh, use uh, became widely ap- applicable very fast. By 1820, um, some countries make bigger use of it in the textile industry. Um, and pretty soon, they even learn how to apply it to a boat. And boom! The U.S. became a nation moved by water. Um, The... U.S. really took hold of steamboats, and this also encouraged them to start making more canals and stuff like that. The Savannah was the name of a sailing ship, which also had an auxiliary steam engine, and this was the first steamboat to to sail across the Atlantic. Um, the Great Western and the Sirius were crossed the Atlantic on steam power alone, and they kind of had like a race across the Atlantic. Uh, railroads. The further improvements on Watt's engine that, trans- um, tra- that translated to the birth of railroads. So Watt's engine was made so much better from its initial state, and it was improved a lot, so that major cities and even small towns were, were becoming connected because the steam engine was applied to the railroad. And this was really huge for industrialization. So the effects of this is that the Midwest becomes open up, opened up and waves of immigrants were dispersed. Um, farms began to service cities and also a playing field for manufacturing is built, uh, particularly in the U.S., which has a ton of railroads. Communication over the wires is also very important. The electric telegraph. It was introduced in England and North America in the 13th in eighteen thirty in the eighteen thirties and eighteen forties and it replaced telegraph systems that utilized visual signals such as semaphones that is a very old type of technology um, eight in eighteen hundreds alex Alis, uh, sorry alessandro volta's invention of the battery made this possible, but the invention of the electric telegraph it was Developed simultaneously in Great Britain and America. So, and this was in the year 1837. In England, it was done by Charles Wheatstone and William Cook. And in America, it was made by Samuel Morse, which is probably the far better known um, inventor. So, and Samuel Morse was very important because he convinced um, Congress to, quote, wire America, which Congress did do. In 1851, the first submarine tele- telegraph—why, la- sorry—the first submarine telegraph cable was laid across the English Channel. So, basically, just like um, 14 years later, it goes from just having been invented to going across like um, small part of the ocean. So that's pretty incredible. Um, markets through all this become much more efficient, and profits become much more dependable. So now we'll talk about the impact of the early industrial revolution. So first of all, um, the new industrial cities being built. Um, of course, these early cities were very dirty and had many problems. Um, there were many, like, complex social issues because so many children were working now. And also, uh many women were also entering the workforce which could be seen as a good thing but it's also not so great because women were paid very cheap wages for doing the same work as men and they also were often pressured to like work much more than they could um like hours in the day because they still had to have responsibility over the household but at the, and watch the children at the same time so if they had jobs in the factories or in the mills then it would be like extremely hard on them. Uh some women even had to ch- take their children or infants into the mills with them because they they couldn't afford any people to care about care over them or or something like that. Um so while poor women are the ones going out to work, rich women and like the upper middle class are moved back to the home like they don't get out because they're still kind of pressured by this cult of domesticity um there's also like serious social problems arising in cities at this time such as child abandonment abandonment alcoholism and prostitution also unemployment um and by the 1820s workers wages were high and the cost of food and housing were low so there was like a slight improvement Um, In 1847 and to 1848, you should also note that the potato crop failed in England. So, No, no, I'm sorry, in Ireland, the potato crop failed. So, that's when you see a big migration of the Irish to America. Okay, now we'll talk about something different. So, we'll talk about ideologies, economic ideologies. So, laissez faire and its critics. Adam Smith, a very important person in world history. He lived from 1723 to 1780. He's a Scottish economist who was the most celebrated exponent of laissez-faire. He also advocated for free market capitalism, which was like an ideology that went against mercantilism. Uh, Adam Smith was famous for authoring The Wealth of Nations. Um... Positivism division is a philosophy developed by the French Count of Saint-Simon. He believed that social and economic problems could be solved by the application of the scientific method, leading to continuous progress. This became popular in France and Latin America in the 1800s. And this is just kind of like the general trend we're seeing at the time. Uh, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels are also very important. They live um, in like the middle of the 1800s. Uh, they are key in the criticism of industrial capitalism. Uh, Karl Marx wrote two important books, Das Kapital and The Communist Manifesto. Um, they saw the unjustifiable oppression of the pro- proletariat, and they also predicted that uh, Proletarians would eventually come together to over, come together to overthrow the bourgeoisie. Um. Okay. Pro onto protests and reforms. Workers were occasionally occasionally protested against their harsh working conditions, and these workers often resisted new technologies because even though it might make the lives of the people working factories e- easier it put tons of people out of work and so ulti- and made wages um or made jobs less available so ultimately they were bad things uh the captain swing riots occurred when english landowners introduced reapers and other machines uh that and rural laborers violently resisted by destroying the machines setting fires and sometimes attacking the owners and farm managers um, eventually, this cap swing riot these cap and swing riots were eventually repressed by county militias and troops. okay, but what about uh, uh, the industrialization outside of the west? You may ask because obviously, um, with this increased communication, other areas are going to find out that uh, England is making su- or England and also Europe are making such huge, huge advancements and of course the u s as well. Well, Egypt had a great leader named Muhammad Ali from 17, or he lived from 1769 to uh, 1851, I believe. He was the leader of the Egyptian modernization in the early 19th century. He ruled Egypt as an Ottoman governor, but he had very imperial ambitions. He was the driving force be- behind industrialization in Egypt. He wanted for Egypt to become more independent from the Ottoman Sultan that it was under. So he built many cotton mills, uh foundries, shipyards and weapon weapons factories. The British did not like this, and so they kind of like um ruined all of Or removed all of his import duties, uh, because they the okay so, uh, Europe or particularly England was very interested in the Suez Canal because it makes a nice link from, uh, from Europe into like the Indian Ocean without having to go around Africa, so they kind of Europe or England in particular kind of crushed Muhammad Ali's efforts in Egypt which was pretty sad. In India, um, it was uh, prior to the Industrial Revolution, it was the world's largest producer and exporter of cotton textiles. And afterwards, India became an exporter of raw materials and an importer of British industrial goods. So it's very easy to see how Britain was kind of manipulating this whole country by getting them to just ship out the the products that takes very hard labor to produce and a lot of land as well and they just take it and send it to their factories and make it into something far more valuable and then sell it back to the people of india this was like mainly done with the cloth and cotton um the british had the indian government in its hands and did nothing to help industrialization there and so industrialization in, in india was very slow uh, the Qing dynasty in China was doing very well at this time economically. Um, and the Portuguese, Dutch, British, and French uh, at this time were <clears throat> had established high militarized commercial presence in Asia. So that's pretty much the extent to which it was that industrialization reached out outwards to the rest of the world. All right, thanks for listening.